Good morning and welcome to Trinity Church London. My name is Richard and I'm part of the team here. Really, really pleased to have you with us this morning. Of course, this morning is Easter Sunday, uh, the time where we reflect on Jesus' death and of course his resurrection. Um, that's, that's what we believe happened to, uh, this day. So this morning we're going to be turning to a very familiar passage in Matthew 13, the first of Jesus' parables, the parable of the sower. About a third of Jesus' teachings come in the form of parables, and I think in many ways they're a reflection of his own humility. When you first read them, they can be sometimes pretty unclear, a little bit uh, hard to understand, and of course we know that's deliberate, but even when you reread them for the umpteenth time, you can often find fresh revelation from God in the words. With parables, we need the humility to ask, what does this really mean to us? As the disciples do in this, um, and the other two accounts of this particular story. In asking that simple question, we're responding to an invitation, one that offers us the chance to draw near to Jesus, to ask to be shown more of the mystery of God. Now, it's easy to assume that the parable of the sower is simply about how some people get saved and, and how others don't. But I would actually encourage us all this morning as we unpack this together to, to keep an open mind and most importantly, a soft heart. Why don't we humble ourselves before God and Ask him to teach us through his word. Father, we come before you this morning eternally grateful for the life of your son, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that by your blood we have been washed clean and by your resurrection can now stand in the presence of our Father. Lord, thank you that you choose not just to save us, not just to leave us as we are, but to shape us and change us from one degree of glory to the next. And Father, as we ask that question this morning, what does this word really mean for us? I pray that you soften our hearts to your truth and reveal more of your purpose in our lives. And Lord, I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Matthew 13. See, this morning we have been worshipping a God um, that, as we're told in Philippians 2, being found in human form, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, taking the place that we deserve so that we might stand before God, his adopted heirs, washed clean and free from sin. And of course, the very reason we celebrate Easter in the first place is because the story doesn't end there. We believe as Christians that Christ rose again and through his resurrection, his sovereignty over Satan and over sin and over death was established. And because of his kingship, we have a hope in an eternal future that we may not deserve, but is a gift given freely from God by his grace. And from his resurrection, Jesus ascended to be seated at the right hand of the Father and in doing so made way for the Spirit to come and live within us that we might live in him, granting us power and authority in Christ's kingdom, a kingdom that scripture tells us now established will last forever. So why the parable of the sower? Why now at Easter? Why not look at the resurrection of Christ specifically? Um, well, when Mark accounts the story, he recalls Jesus actually asking, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So it seems pretty important, at least to Jesus, that we, we thoroughly grasp and understand what this means to us and how it applies to our lives. And of course, the rest of the gospel of Christ as well. But more than that, if we believe Christ really died and rose again for us, are we embracing all that that truth has to offer us? And that's the question I want you to ask this morning. It tells us later on in Matthew verse uh, 18 that the seed is the word of the kingdom. And it struck me as 
really interesting choice of words, you know, the word of the kingdom. Of course, the entire Old Testament is built on the hope of a messianic kingdom. The establishment of the kingdom is the focal point of the New Testament. Matthew himself um, opens by saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that the Messiah will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and that of his kingdom there will be no end. Super powerful words. Um, But I think Matthew is being very deliberate about his use of words here. The word of the kingdom. A kingdom needs a king. A kingdom is a land and a people. So it's, it's Jesus and it's us. And a kingdom has its own way of life, its own culture. And, and this way of life is set by the king. And interestingly, a kingdom is not a democracy. And we as subjects of Christ's kingdom need to be asking what that means to our way of life, to our culture today. The Greek word for word, logos, literally means logic. So the word of the kingdom is also the logic of the kingdom, which I think is quite helpful to think like that. The gospel, you may be holding it in your hands right now, that's the logic of the kingdom. And how does this logic contrast with the assumed logic of the world? We live in an age of loneliness, and this is very much a kingdom of community. We live in an age of of selfish hearts, but this is a kingdom of generosity. We live in a world where we're we're chasing likes and comments, where we always show our, our best selves to the world. But this, Jesus' kingdom, that's a kingdom that accepts and loves you just the way you are. There's endless mercy from this king, endless grace. It doesn't matter how many times we mess up, he never lets the worst thing we've ever done define us. How many kingdoms can boast that truth? I'd, I'd guess not many. And of course, when a good king reigns, you accept his rule. You enter into his realm and you blossom. To enter his kingdom is to serve him completely and, and nothing else. It's to take the gospel, the logic of the kingdom and allow it to saturate our hearts and our lives. Through Christ's resurrection, he established a new kingdom and not one the Jews of the time would ever have expected, not a conquering hero in the way that they certainly understood one, not a a mighty warrior like David, but a a king of peace, a king of love and and a king of humility. When Jesus explains this parable to his disciples, he says this in verse 18, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil, evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. We're told in Hebrews that uh, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You see, this, what we're to understand from this is, is that actually the word of the kingdom is, is powerful, that it it has the power to radically change us uh, from inside, but that that power can actually be resisted by our own hearts. So perhaps it's better that rather than think of this as the, the parable of the sower, but that we actually think of this as the parable of the soft soil or the soft heart. How's your heart this morning? You know, this uh, this verse made me wonder what paths would have been like at the time. Um, and I can't really imagine crazy paving or some intricate lattice of, of brickwork. I kind of imagine it it would simply have been hard earth, you know, trodden down underfoot by many, many people over time, so packed that not a single seed could penetrate it. I wonder if you remember any times when you were listening to the word given on a Sunday and all you could think about is, you know, when's this guy going to get to the end? Has it been 20 minutes yet? 
To be fair, you might be thinking that right now. Potentially wouldn't blame you. Uh, you see, even as Christians, our hearts can become hardened, trodden down over time by people in our lives. We end up preventing the spiritual growth that the word offers because our hearts, the, the soil inside of us, it's just got too hard. Let me ask you a question. How badly do we want the truth, though? Really, I mean, this is, this is the word of God we're talking about, living and active. How often do we hear something in scripture that we, we just don't think really fits with us or that sounds too much like hard work? Sadly today, what most people believe is purely based on what they desire. You know, not, not the truth as it is, but as they want to hear it. Our individualistic culture is one of wanting gain. We don't stop to think about whether we're... We're right because we demand everyone respect our opinions regardless. But actually we're told this is just a hardness of heart. And even as we, sorry, and even as Christians, uh, we can sometimes allow our hearts to convince us of what we want to hear. And in all honesty, I can see why, you know, when scripture says, sell your possessions and give the money to the poor, do we really want to hear that? Or what about uh, take up your cross and follow me or or hate your mother, hate your husband, hate your children. Do we really want to hear that? Probably not. But then are we saying we know better than God? Society tells us we have to be self-sufficient. You know, the, the number of self-help books in the bookstore tell us that. We can learn our way into control over our lives. And the, the more control, the better, so we're told. There's a book for almost everything. But here we're told that a hard heart won't allow any growth, not even a little bit. The, the evil one, it says in verse 19, will come along and simply pluck it up. But there's hope. For those who seek God first, who look to the things unseen, if we seek God's truth and acknowledge his wisdom over ours, then we will see that growth. And not just a little bit, you know, the, the promise is right here. It's a hundredfold, 60 and 30. And so only a few feet away, perhaps sitting only a few chairs away on a Sunday, that soft soil is seeing all the growth. And on the hard soil where we're seated, our hard hearts, nothing, no growth. Let me ask you this, on a Sunday, do we look forward to the dynamic and uplifting nature of what's said or what it really means for us, to the changes it will mean we, we need to make in our lives? When you pick up the Bible, are you to be trying to get through another chapter or are you meditating on the truth and allowing it to shape you? And look, we've, we've all been there, I certainly have. The parable of the sower isn't reserved for the day you're saved. It's about every time you read or hear God's word, the, the word of the kingdom. Even as mature Christians, there are some seeds we need to, to take on board if we're to truly come under his kingdom. We need to hear the truth and allow it to really take root in us, uh, in our lives. And I think most of us would, would admit we need changing, I and mean, I, I, I certainly do. If I think about how my life was before I knew Jesus, I mean, boy, um, I'm... I don't know what would have happened if, if God hadn't changed me. And the good news is that, as Paul tells us, one may plant and, and uh, another water, but it is God who gives the growth. We just need to soften our hearts and hear what God is teaching us. Then we can flourish. Um, so anyway, let's let's move on. So verse 5, other seeds fell on the rocky ground. So Jesus actually explains this in verse 20 and 21. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. When tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. 
Interesting that. We can all get overexcited over a great preach, right? I mean, we've all been there. Um, it's great to listen to someone who can just really lift you up and you can feel absolutely pumped. So pumped, in fact, you're ready just to, to walk out of church on a Sunday and, and go and change the world on, on, your, on your own. But when the pressure comes, when the scorching heat, it says, comes, is that still true? You know, we're, we're privileged to have some amazing sowers and waterers here at Trinity. Daniel can easily stir my heart on a Sunday, but how long do we hold on to the truth for? Or are we quick just to let it go? Charles did brilliantly last week. Perhaps it stirred you. Perhaps you even thought about it afterwards. But did that thinking actually lead you to change anything about how you live? Early in my Christian faith, I would often be stirred up from a preach and, you know, I'd be determined to go and tell all my friends about the gospel and about Jesus. And I remember chatting to a close friend of mine not long after I'd become a Christian. Um, we are in the pub, which, as many of you know, is pretty much my pulpit. Um, and he was asking how life was going and I was, you know, going through a pretty tough time, as many of you know. Um, and I gave him the typical self-reliant kind of speech about how well I was doing. And then he said to me, oh, that's great. So long as you don't go and do something stupid like become a Christian. And I can tell you now that I did not utter a word about my faith that night. Not a word. We can all be moved in a moment, but when the heat comes, when the persecution starts, and that, by the way, is a promise. That's not an if, but that's a when. Are we scorched? But here's the great news. Um, in Luke 6, it says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he was like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid, and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it was well built. Are you well built this morning? We often pray the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come. And of course, we mean it. But when we're with our friends or our colleagues and faith comes up, are we shaken by the storm? Or do we have firm foundations? Has our seed taken taken such a root inside of us that we pronounce it with joy. There's a, a beautiful quote from the film, Elizabeth, the Golden Age, don't judge me. Um, and it says this, when the storm breaks, each man acts in accordance with his own purpose. Um, some dumb, uh, are dumb with terror, some flee, some hide, and some spread their wings like eagles and soar on the wind. It's our nature uh, sorry, is, is our nature one of Christ's kingdom? Do we devour the word of the kingdom that we, that we flourish, you know, enthusiastically sharing the word, or do we fall away? And look, I'm, I'm preaching to my own heart here as well, but hear this, it says this in uh, Matthew 5.10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What a promise of reward, eh? Let's move on. Um, so verse 7, the seeds that fell on the, on the thorns. So Jesus again explains this in verse 22. As for, for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Interestingly here, um, there's growth. Otherwise, obviously, there's nothing to choke. Um, this isn't like uh, the hard soul. There's, there's a softness of heart and a willingness to hear from God, a willingness to grow. But the, the cares of the world come and check it up. And we're we're not talking about grievous sin here. Now, this isn't about theft or, or murder. This is about your worries. This is simply about your anxieties. It's saying here that your worries will choke your growth. How many of us can resonate with feeling fearful or anxious at this very moment in time? How many of us are watching the news each evening to hear the latest death toll and wondering, you know, what if? 
the world has gone and turned itself upside down in fear. Many people are living with that anxiety. But a plant surrounded by thorns, we're told, proves unfruitful. It doesn't grow to maturity. It's, um, sorry, in Luke's account of this story, he used the, the, the words, their fruit does not mature. Um, because we're, we've allowed the worries of the world to, to, to choke our growth. And here's the thing, God commands us not to be anxious. That's, that's actually not a suggestion or some sage advice. It's, it's there in scripture. Do not be anxious about your life, Matthew 6. And let's, let's, let's read that, in fact. Uh, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. God, gather into barns. How relevant is that to us right now? How many of us have panic bought or stockpiled our, our fridges and freezers over the last couple of weeks? But we're told here they don't gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Just let that sink in. You matter to God. You may not matter to anyone else in this entire world. You may think you're utterly worthless, but you matter to God. He values you. Verse 32, let's let's carry on a bit. Uh, For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows we need to eat. He knows we need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Um, it's easy to, for us to be anxious right now, obviously. it's, But if we trust God, and if we let the words of the kingdom just kind of infuse us, we don't have to feel that fear. And it's not just anxiety and fear, it tells us here, but it's the deceitfulness of riches. And Charles touched on this passage last week. And if you missed it, I'd really encourage you to, to check out the YouTube channel and, and watch it. Um, and actually, we're not just talking about money here, of course, but what often money affords us. It says in Luke 6.24, But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. What do you find your consolation in? Do you find yourself saying, I can't imagine my week without Netflix? Um, at the moment, do you look forward to your one bit of exercise outside, particularly given the weather, more than your time with God or time in his word? Things get to you, that's the truth. They become important and they stop things growing to maturity. Right now, it feels like God is stripping away all the things that we've humanly come to lean on. Our economy is in turmoil and our social social lives are shattered, our, our health is suffering, people are dying. But because of our resurrected king, life can be found in the seed. One plants, another waters, but God gives the growth. We don't need to make it grow, we just need to get rid of the other stuff, you know, all the other things that we find our fulfillment in. And I'm not saying these things are bad in themselves, they're not. But when they become the things that we rely on, they they stop us from growing. It's perhaps no coincidence that the first and last of the commandments are about idolatry, putting things before God, you know. Seek first the kingdom, seek first the word of the kingdom. The promises in here give you all the encouragement you could ever need because it gives us hope Look to Jesus, give worries, give your worries over to, to God, cast all your anxieties onto him. So what does living in Christ's kingdom actually look like? What happens when we soften our hearts and let the word of the kingdom change us and stop the anxiety? Let's look at uh, verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. Wow. 
And if that doesn't excite you, let's take a look at what sort of fruit we're promised when we allow Jesus to reign in our lives, when we seek first his kingdom and submit to his way of, of life. Um, so firstly, he guards our hearts. Philippians 4 verse 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Has coronavirus shaken you? Are you full of anxiety right now? Are you fearful about what tomorrow brings? Do you wish for the sort of peace that this promises? Because Christ can guard your heart. He can give you peace. He's our strength, Psalm 119. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Have you got to the point of despair? He can be your strength. He's, he's our light as well. Again, Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Are you feeling lost in life? Are you unsure of what the future holds or where you should turn to next? He can be your light. He's also our power, Isaiah 40 verse 29. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Do you feel exhausted right, right now? Are you weary from life? Are you feeling weak? He can be your power. He is our complete satisfaction, Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Have you ever truly been satisfied in your life? Because he can be your satisfaction. He is love, Ephesians 3. Uh, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God have you ever felt that loved that complete well turn to Jesus and you can and we're told that that love's in, love endures 1 Chronicles uh, 16 verse 34 give thanks to the Lord for his good his love endures forever have you ever been let down by someone a parent or a partner perhaps God's love for you is unchanging. It's not contingent on anything. It lasts forever. And finally, here's our life. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Do you ever think that life is simply, uh, do you ever think that your life is simply missing something? I know I certainly did before. He can give you life without measure. It says in verse 31, um, back to Matthew 13, that the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, that a, that a man took and sowed into a field is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants, becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Now, I'm not sure if we're, we're meant to um, read into this in any way, you know, the, the prince of the power of the, the, the air, Ephesians 2, but I'd like to think that the kingdom of Christ is so attractive, so appealing that the birds want to come and, and rest in its branches. As a church, we want to make kingdom-minded disciples. It's our mission. Will you allow the word of the kingdom, the, the seeds, to take root into your life and experience that kind of growth, everything that we've just been hearing about? You can if you soften your hearts, if you let go of your fear. And I know that's not easy. But if you turn to Jesus, if you turn to the founder and perfecter of our faith, God will give you that growth. Now, it might be that you're not a Christian, you're looking in for the first time. If it is, or if it's not even, and you're a mature Christian, but this this has really spoken to you, can I just encourage you to reach out to either myself or one of the other leaders here at Trinity? Um, 
go to the website trinitychurchlondon.com or email us uh, hello at trinitychurchlondon.com um, we'd love to, to, to pray with you and um, yeah just to really bless you let's pray Father thank you for the truth that this parable brings to our lives Lord thank you that despite the world around us despite all the tribulation and trials that are facing us as a global population right now Lord that your peace can be known by us Lord that we don't have to live in fear or worry or anxiety Lord that we can just turn to you Lord and find that utter peace and joy and love that you promise us Lord we ask you to use this word today to change us and to help us to grow closer to you in Jesus name Amen